Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Fade. Friday, October 23rd, 2015. All right, we'll be doing an augmented program today. We're going to kind of stick to one topic. been doing that a lot lately, the one topic program, but not one source, so it's technically not light. to think about this. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of really crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time to employ sound biblical hermeneutics, good exegesis, a Christ-centered approach to Scripture, properly distinguishing between the law and the gospel, as the book of Romans and the book of Galatians teaches us to do, so that we can compare what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-proclaimed apostles, and apostolettes, and those put forward by the evangelical industrial complex is those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose stuff we need to be studying instead of our Bibles and our small group studies to see if what they're saying actually squares with what God's word says or if they're twisting God's word, creating new, novel, innovative doctrines and ideas that are not found in Scripture and uh, basically teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. And unfortunately, over and again, we see that. Now, this week was an important week, at least in the history of the church uh, within the seeker-driven movement, as well as kind of general charismatic new apostolic reformation movement, uh, vision-casting leaders, and the church in Singapore. The reason why is because, uh, a you know, literally one of the most popular vision casting leaders in uh, this in you know the nation of Singapore that would be Kong He of City Harvest Church. He and five of his uh, leadership team were found guilty of basically you know breaching trust and using church funds illegally to fund the uh, secular music career of Sun Ho, which is Kong He's wife. And uh, we're going to take a look at that story, if you would, and we're going to kind of swim upstream a little bit, and uh, at least you know from a you know one angle, it, it analyze the question: What's Phil Pringle's involvement in all of this? Because I remember a few years back, it was at the Presence Conference, and and Kong Hee at the Presence Conference, you know, you know, this was when he was first 
you know, uh, charged with uh, these crimes and, uh, you know, the, the uh, trial was looming. I remember Kung, he's saying at the president's conference that Phil Pringle is the one who got him into all of this mess. And, uh, and so Phil Pringle's involvement, let's just say, has been, uh, well, quite uh, noticeable, at least, you know, in the days leading up to the verdict. Now, regarding Kong Hee, uh, he's probably going to go to jail for some time and could potentially spend 20 years in prison for, you know, for these criminal acts on his part. And I think this is vital. What is it that motivated motivated him to do this? Part of this is the uh, NAR Seven Mountains mandate nonsense and false doctrine that uh, Kong Hee bought into. You know, what was the whole purpose of the crossover project? Well, that was to take over the uh, the media mountain, you know, the you know, the arts and entertainment mountain, I think, you know, this kind of thing. And so that was why they were sending Kong Hee into the secular world and teaching her how to dance in, well, ways that are inappropriate for any human being, let alone a Christian pastor's wife to be dancing. But uh, you kind of get the idea here. There's there's really a lot more to this. So we're going to barely scratch the surface. And so we'll cover this. It won't take the full hour to do it. We'll take one break. And then when we come back from the break, we're going to listen to a good sermon delivered by uh, Dr. Paul Chu. And um, he it, he is going to, and he's a pastor in Singapore, and I have to commend him. And the reason why we're going to play this good sermon is this is an example of a pastor who takes the scriptures seriously, understands that his job as a pastor is to warn and to rebuke, and he takes on the prosperity heresy in you know, using uh, you know, Kong Hee and City Harvest Church and the trial that was taking place at the time. It's now concluded um, you know, to basically warn his people that this is not what the scriptures teach. And he uses context, context, context as his you know, primary tool for demonstrating that the proof texting that they engage in to teach this false doctrine is uh, is a sham you know it's it's a false reading of god's word and so you know i thought this would be a good example if you're looking you know you pastors out there uh you know listen we live in a day where the culture tells us that we have to be politically correct we can't rebuke we can't be negative we we don't want to be haters but scripture tells us very clearly to reprove rebuke and exhort and uh, rebuke those who are teaching false doctrine and so this, I think, is a good example. If you want to look for a template of what it looks like for a pastor to warn and to rebuke, I think this is a great example of that. So that will make up today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. So we won't have a full first hour. Uh, I really wanted to kind of key everything in on the City Harvest scandal. You get, you get the idea. So augmented uh, episode of Fighting for the Faith. Hopefully you won't feel cheated or, you know... <laughs> Anything like that. And uh, since we're going to start off with uh, this, the story regarding Sydney Harvest Church, well, that requires us to do this. S-U-N. God woke desires deep down in my heart. Could the culture mandic make me a star? My husband, Pastor Kong, taught with A.R. Bernard. I could be a gospel if I worked real hard. Because I'm married to Kongi, get your chip on me. I dance like a monkey while he throws money at me. 
all church pockets for me. Sting all church pockets for me. We're Kung Hee and Son Ho. Turn church into a show. Now everybody knows that all the church funds flow to me. Kong a vision, so just do as we say. I'll get the cash from my husband's lies. You better keep on giving till tears stream down your eyes. Willie or Kenny, try stay out of Changi. It won't be uncanny when he takes a stand from me. I still need the money from me. Don't you berate me, I am truly great to your kids. It may take me my hip to be free for Kong He. Sue all the ones that hate me. We're Kong He and Sun Ho. No one can tell us no. We'll tell you where to go. If you question what we know, we're Kong Hee and Sun Ho. We're bringing Jesus low. We make God's word a joke and make church all a show about me, 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 me. me. Challenge me. That's kind of the problem with their message, isn't it? It ultimately ends up being all about you rather than Jesus. And they were definitely, well, engaging in criminal activity, all in the name of advancing the kingdom of God. And that's kind of the, one of the major problems within the seeker-driven movement and the whole NAR is they literally basically believe that the ends justify the means, and the means are sinful. 
that's just rank sinful. Now, here's the uh, story from uh, Channel News Asia, and I'll, just so that you can kind of be brought up to speed, you know, regarding the result of the chi- uh, of the trial. Like I said, all six of them were found guilty, including Kong Hee, and Kong Hee could be facing up to 20 years in prison, which mean, which literally means he would not get out of prison until he's in his 70s. But uh, here's uh, Channel News Asia to report on the outcome of the trial. Story tonight. The six City Harvest Church leaders involved in the long-running court trial were today found guilty of all charges brought against them. In a 15-page oral judgment, presiding judge of the state courts, Siki Un, said they had acted dishonestly and breached the trust placed in them. Now, a post on the church's Facebook page said the church leaders are studying the judgment and will take legal advice from their respective lawyers. The sixth accused, Chueng Han, who has left the church, said he intends to appeal. Kimberly Spikerman reports. The six church leaders, including founder and senior pastor Kong Hee, faced varying counts of criminal breach of trust and falsifying accounts. What followed was a trial that spanned 140 days. Today, Judge Si Ki Un delivered his verdict, convicting the six leaders of all charges brought against them. He said the church's funds had been put to unauthorized use and the leaders had chosen to engage in covert operations and conspiratorial cover-ups. Judge C. Ad- now, this is important. The, the accused persons chose to engage in covert operations and conspiratorial cover-ups. They spent you know, something to the tune of 20-something million Singaporean dollars uh, funding Kong He's uh, wife's crossover project and then spent... you know even more, trying to cover all of this up, and they filed false financial reports in order to cover all of this up. And so, I mean, this is important for you to kind of keep in mind, because when you hear Phil Pringle commenting on this, I mean, he's basically, you know, making it sound like Kong Hee is, you know, some innocent victim, and this is the world persecuting Christians. And so I think it's important that you understand just what it is that took place. We continue. That they also created cover stories and clever round trips to conceal their unlawful conduct, defrauded auditors with falsified accounts, and played their respective roles in a conspiracy with the intent to cause wrongful loss to the church. He also noted that all the accused believed they acted in what they considered to be the church's best interests and that there was no evidence of any wrongful gain. Judge C added that while five of the accused had completely trusted Kong's leadership and acted in accordance with his instructions, he pointed out that no matter how pure the motive or how ingrained the trust in one's leaders, it does not exonerate an accused person from criminal liability. The money at the centre of the trial was used to finance the pop music career of singer Sun Ho, who is Kong's wife. But Judge C said that her perceived success was inflated and was reliant on church members and supporters to prop up album sales. After the verdict was delivered, the six church leaders remained silent and appeared somber. Kong Hee kept his head bowed while the others either teared up or were comforted by family members. Church members were also seen praying in the courtroom. The case has captured public interest, and it was no different today. By 5 a.m., about 100 people formed the queue, all hoping to get a piece of courtroom action. Only about half that number were eventually let in. 
sentencing will take place at a later date. Criminal breach of trust is punishable with a life sentence or up to 20 years in prison and a fine. Falsifying accounts carries a maximum penalty of 10 years jail and a fine. But as this case was heard in a district court, the maximum sentence a judge can meet out per charge is 10 years jail, while the maximum cumulative sentence he can impose is 20 years jail. The six are currently out on bail. Yeah, that's right. The six are currently out on bail. We're talking, you know, Kong He's bail was set at a million dollars. So you kind of get the idea. I mean, this, I mean, number one, this was the longest running criminal trial in the history of Singapore. And rather than, you know, the crossover career of uh, Sun Ho uh, being a boon for the gospel and then taking the arts and entertainment mountain and advancing the kingdom, Christianity has taken a, a serious hit. Uh, as a result of this scandal, because their behavior was illegal, immoral, uh, didn't make any sense at all. But it's not driven by the Great Commission, which is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. Which means, really, in order to make disciples, you need a Bible, some water, you know, bread and wine for communion, um, and a good understanding of the scriptures and a, and the proper understanding of how to proclaim Christ and Him crucified for our sins and calling sinners to repent and to be forgiven. You don't need a multi-million dollar secular crossover career um, in order to, to proclaim the gospel. So yeah, so what they what their intentions were good. They believed they were doing the will of God. But if they were doing the will of God, why the conspiracy? Why the cover-up? Why the falsified um, documents? None of this... None of this is uh, Christian behavior. All of this is scandalous and has uh, really hurt the proclamation of the gospel in uh, in the nation of Singapore. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to switch it up just a little bit. You kind of now know how this all landed, and you know, and you heard Kong he could be facing up to twenty years in prison. That's the maximum. And since we're dealing with you know charge upon charge upon charge, he was. Uh, found guilty on three charges. I mean, there's a real possibility he's going to spend a lot of time in prison, a lot of time. And, and I think it's significant to note that in the in the past year, in the, you know, we've seen the fall of Mark Driscoll, now the fall of Kong Hee, um, you know, and there are other seeker-driven leaders who have engaged in really, really shady, immoral behavior. And if you remember, what what is it that started off the dominoes that uh, you know that led to Driscoll falling? Well, it was his buying his way onto the New York Times bestseller list. But Perry Noble has done the same. He's also bought his way onto the New York Times bestseller list, and so has, so has Stephen Furtick. And so I find it fascinating that uh, you know that there's I would basically say the seeker driven vision casting leaders form a network that is much akin to. Um, a racketeering outfit or a mafioso, you know, it's the seeker driven vision casting leader mafia kind of thing. And when it comes to Kong, he, he was coached. He, he, this is a man who relied heavily on the prophetic, uh, visions and, uh, pronouncements and, you know, God speaking through Phil Pringle. And since he's, uh, you know, a head, vision casting leader down there in Australia let's let's uh, do this 
That's right. That's Los Lobos Ministry Records and uh, their hit single, Casting Vision. Now, what we're going to be listening to is uh, two bits of audio from uh, videos put out by, well, Phil Pringle, who I think has a lot to do, a lot to do behind the scenes regarding uh, uh, Sun Ho's crossover project and uh, was one of the men, well, one of the men who was directly coaching and um, leading and you know casting vision for Kang Hee. And that is Phil Pringle of C3. And so these two have a tight friendship. And like I said, a few years back at the Presence Conference, one of the things that Kang Hee said was that it was Phil Pringle who got him into this mess. And I don't think that was a slip. I think that was absolutely the truth. So leading up to the uh, Kang Hee trial... I find this uh, audio to be fascinating because this is uh, Phil Pringle at C3 Church basically asking for prayer for Kong Hee. This is prior to the verdict. And so listen into this. I think it's uh, rather fascinating. Here we go. I want to take a, a second just to, for us all to take a minute to pray for Pastor Kong Hee. This Wednesday, uh, he is going to be standing in the courtroom in uh, uh, 
Singapore after five years of trial, the longest running trial in Singapore history. And so I'm going to go up there and stand with him in, in the courtroom. And, uh, you know, it's not my job to judge, to right some wrongs, but I do believe it is our job to stand with people who are in a struggling situation. He's one of the most pure-hearted, holy men of God I know, one of the most devoted... Pure-hearted, holy men who engaged in a conspiracy and cover-up and diverted church funds that he had he should not have used you know to the tunes of 20 million you know to fund the career of his wife and then cover it all up another 20 something million yeah that that those are the actions of somebody with a pure heart for sure you know dedicated like rugged soldiers for christ that i've ever met and uh so there's some people that i might say well you know i'm not so sure i want to actually try and stand but kong he's you know, uh, impeccable in, in integrity in these areas. And it's just that he's been caught up in a, this has become a very complicated process. The uh, prosecution haven't been able to produce one piece of evidence of him wrongfully gaining anything or the congregation wrongfully losing anything in terms of. Uh, yeah, but uh, diverting church funds that were for the uh, church building, um, not for Sung Ho's career, that is actually criminal. To falsify, you know, financial records. Again, criminal actions. Finances. But as I say, it's not our part to uh, reach that judgment that's in the court's hands. And, you know, uh, Paul and Peter, a lot of these guys found themselves in very difficult situations with the government authorities. Put in predicaments that were scary for the Christians because they were associated with them. And uh, when Jesus got convicted as a criminal and uh, sent to the cross to die. It was pretty difficult for the disciples to say, yeah, yeah we know him, he's, he's a friend. Uh, they scattered. And, uh, so he's comparing Kong He to Jesus and the apostles when they were on trial for, you know, oh man, wow. I don't want to be that. I want to say, you know, I understand it. I don't understand everything all the time, but I think when we see a good brother, faithful brother in trouble, we should stand with them. Jesus' name. So let's pray for one minute here for him right now. Lord, we pray for your hand to be upon Pastor Kong, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be in his life. Let the power of Christ rest on him in Jesus' name. Let a miracle come to pass. Miracle of deliverance and victory. Now notice he's decreeing and declaring. He's not asking for a miracle. He's decreeing and declaring that a miracle should happen. Okay, a miracle didn't happen. By the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, let your presence fall now on our brother and on those other defendants. Let them, Lord, know the power of God in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, we believe God. Your presence, your power, your Holy Spirit falling in Jesus' mighty name. Not God, we praise you. All right. Now, that was, you know, just a few days before the announcement of the verdict. And what we're going to listen to next is a Periscope video that uh, Phil Pringle posted as he was traveling with uh, Kong He's entourage uh, to the courthouse to hear the verdict. This is the day that the verdict was read. Fascinating to listen to. Let's listen in. Hi there. Uh, I'm just in the car with uh, Mr. Chong, who's one of the team from City Harvest Church. And uh, we're on our way to the court here in Singapore to uh, 
stand with our brother, Pastor Kong here, as a verdict is passed down on him and the members of the team. There are five of them who are also defendants. This trial has been going for five and a half years, and uh, now finally the verdict has come, which provides some relief, although uh, <clears throat> the lawyers are not that positive. We are believing that God will reign, and he rules in all the affairs of men. Jesus is Lord, and uh, we will believe that whatever outcome we see, he will still Gain the victory for his people. His so notice, Phil Pringle is intimately involved. He's there with Kong and his team as they're getting ready to hear the verdict. That is fascinating. You know, I, I think if you were to, again, go with the mafia metaphor, um, a good way to think of Phil Pringle is that he's one of the godfathers of this whole seeker-driven, vision-casting leader, NAR movement down there in Australia. And it's clear he's intimately involved in all of this. And I would say he was intimately involved in much of what was going on and knew what was going on and had something to do with the decisions that were made regarding, you know, initially sending Sung Ho into the secular world to, you know, become a secular recording artist. I think he was involved in this. Kong, he said, you know, that he's the one who got him into this mess. Interesting. We continue. His man, his team. And uh, I want you to pray for us today. That's really why I thought I'd periscope just to ask people all around the world, as many as we can see, just to believe God and to see victory in Jesus' name. Pastor Kong has uh, <clears throat> been prosecuted and interrogated and is very tired, obviously, but uh, he is strong and uh, he, uh, we had a prayer meeting last night in the church. Uh, maybe there were uh, two and a half thousand people there. Uh, just really crying out to God. I think you'd find uh, some images of that prayer meeting on my Twitter account uh, as well. And maybe a link to it on my Facebook. Uh, it's uh, an astonishing church to see them come together and pray for their pastor like this. And they've been doing that regularly for these last five years. This church is still seeing thousands of people come to Christ under this kind of pressure. There's still uh, way more than 20,000 people turning up. Uh, and even though obviously some have uh, left, but uh, still the church is extraordinarily strong and uh, faring well. Pastor Kong has, uh, they have tried to find some evidence of him gaining personally from the funds that uh, were used for missions and the crossover project, but he, there is no evidence of that whatsoever. And yeah, that's not the only test of criminality, by the way. And, uh, neither has there been any evidence of the church wrongfully losing any money. So uh, now the... Uh, the court has to decide whether issues of governance have brought about um, this uh, situation. And uh, I don't believe it's our job to arrive at those kinds of judgments. Uh, let the courts do that. But our job is definitely to pray and believe and stand with ministers and men of God when they're in distress. And uh, 
um, yeah, the way you stand with somebody who's done something like this is call them to repent. This is a matter of sin. Call them to repent and to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ. Obviously, everybody makes some kind of mistakes. God builds his church not on perfect people. These aren't mistakes. These were premeditated sins. It, basically, there was an entire paper trail of falsified documents designed to cover up what they had done. That's not a mistake. Um, uh, people who uh, yielded to Christ. And uh, I think through all of this, uh, there have been obviously critics and there have been people who have pointed out how things could have been done better, but that's uh, easy to do in hindsight. And uh, it's the same for all of us. But I think... Yeah, it's like, uh, real simple, don't buy into the NAR gospel and mandate because the church has its orders from Christ and the church's orders are to make disciples of all nations, not conquer seven mountains. Um, and, you know, the idea of actually, you know, falsifying records and engaging in a conspiracy and breaking the law yeah, never is that ever an advisable path for a Christian pastor. Grace mm -hmm. is the culture of the kingdom, and uh, we need to just stand together and believe God that we will see. Culture of the kingdom. NAR talk there. Jesus' hand, victorious here today. Thanks for listening and watching. I won't be able to do any... Uh, Periscoping inside the courtroom, obviously, we're not uh, permitted to use any devices in there. Uh, yeah, Rosie Cruz just asked that question. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, that would be um, uh, a violation of uh, their rules, and uh, they're very strict about that, so uh, there'd be no, uh, no, no filming or photos or anything at all. But I will uh, let uh, I will periscope again around about midday, which is about three hours from now. Uh, if if uh, the uh, the proceedings are finished by then, so uh, stay in prayer, stay believing, keep declaring Jesus is Lord over this situation, and uh, we know that the devil is bound. Yeah, this. <laughs> This is not about the devil persecuting Christians. This is about Christians breaking the law. Strong man is bound, and uh, whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Jesus promised us that, and that was in the context of growing and building the church. So, I believe in God. Thanks, Rosie Cruz. Uh, bless you, Wilson only. Amen, Pastor. Good to hear from you guys. Uh, thanks for talking to us, and... Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. So you kind of get the idea. And the reason I play that, again, like I've said, is that um, Bill Pringle is intimately connected to Kong Hee and was one of his mentors. And I think had something significant to do with many of the decisions that were made regarding what Kong Hee and his team did. And, um, yeah, I think that's the next part of the story that needs to be examined because he had, you know, he, he, although he didn't actually commit the crimes that Kong he did, he was behind the scenes probably advising 
um, regarding some of the actions that they took. I, you know, it, yeah, that's that would be my guess and that would be my bet. And his actions and his intimacy involved in, in all of this, yeah, it's more than just uh, somebody who's a supporter. And like I said, the uh, the Secret Driven Vision Casting Network, yeah, they behave like the mafia. And uh, and there's godfathers and then people who are in the rank and file. And uh, Kang Hee uh, was definitely uh, underneath the godfather, uh, Phil Pringle. Something to keep in mind. All right, we are up on our first and only break in this kind of augmented format episode of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back, we're going to end the week off with a good sermon from Dr. Paul Chu in Singapore as he takes on the false teaching, the prosperity heresy put out by Kong Yi. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Jesus did not die for your 401k. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. Act now, 
And Los Lobos Ministry will even throw in a free bonus track by Stephen Furtick entitled, Cause They're Stupid. Here's a sample. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. A lot of people don't like rock and roll in church. Cause they're stupid, cause they're stupid. So act now and get Pastor Perry Noble's brand new techno praise album entitled More Like Jesus. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the Seven Mountains mandate and seeker-driven church vision-casting leaders who, well, engage in dubious means for Christian ends, that they're absolutely wrong. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com, when you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95. That's it every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Great way to support us. If you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute on a one-time basis, click on the donate button and fill out the information there. Or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota. 
zip code 58208. Let me thank you for your support. And just a reminder, uh, you can still get your uh, I Survived the Four Blood Moons in the Shemitah and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt t-shirt by visiting fightingforthefaith.com and clicking on the bake sale link up at the top of the page. And there's other items available to help us make budget as we've increased our expenses in order to, well, better serve the body of Christ. All right, we're going to move along here, and since we're going to be reviewing a good sermon, or at least listening to it, we got to do this. the ugly we review it all here at fighting for the faith we're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service today's sermon comes to us via gospel light christian church in singapore dr paul chu presiding the name of the sermon we will be listening to is entitled prosperity gospel and i think it's important to hear what um, dr chu has to say and the reason why is that it's timely and this is an example of a pastor who's taking the time to warn his sheep and uh, as somebody who lives in Singapore and has lived the uh, damage that uh, has been caused to the body of Christ and to the, go- uh, the gospel itself by the illegal and immoral actions of Kong Hee and Sun Ho and the folks over at City Harvest Church, I think this is an important and sobering message to listen to on his part. Now, this is not the kind of sermon that is designed to, you know, how shall I say it, carefully measure out law and gospel. It's going to be a little bit heavy on the law, but you will hear the gospel. But it's heavy in the law for a purpose, and that is is to rebuke and to warn people regarding the false teaching of the uh, prosperity gospel, especially as coming forth from, well, City Harvest Church. And there's another one there in Singapore that I think the folks need to avoid as well, and that would be the one of uh, Joseph Prince. But uh, let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Dr. Paul Chu and his sermon entitled Prosperity Gospel. Here we go. All right, good morning, everyone. Today, I want to speak on an event that has confused a lot of people. Discouraged some of us, angered a few of us. I want to speak on an event that has given a lot of pleasure to those who do not know Christ. Given a lot of ammunition for them to hit the things of Christ. This event has also discouraged a lot of people from ever wanting to know Christ. I'm talking of the greatest, biggest scandal in our religious scene in this country ever. It involves the biggest church in this country. Allegedly, it involves $50 million in abuse or misuse of funds. You know who I'm talking about? And today, a lot of us are unsure what's happening. I get emails sent to me with a little triumphant from friends who have not known Christ and just forwarded to me all kinds of stuff. And I think a lot of you maybe are faced with questions and you do not know how to answer them. We are talking of the scandal that involves this huge church 
That is the leading promoter of the prosperity gospel in Singapore. So first we need to ask ourselves, what is the prosperity gospel? A lot of us are not clear. I hope today at the end of it you will be clear. And you will know this is not a gospel. Gospel is good news. This is bad news. You will leave this place clear that this is a scam. And I believe the truth will set a lot of people free today. All right, the prosperity gospel is also called the health and wealth gospel. You know, health and wealth attract everybody. Very rarely will a person say, I'm not interested in my health. I don't care if I have good health or bad health. Very rarely will a person say, I don't care if I'm dead broke and I don't have a penny on me. I think everybody is concerned about health and wealth. So we're talking about something that attracts loads of people. This is a gospel or a message that will attract a lot of people. When did this new message come out? About 50 years ago, around the early 60s, late 50s, in the charismatic movement. And then it was propagated through TV. TV was a big thing at that time. And through very, very charismatic, able tele-evangelists, this thing went, really swept the country. And today, three out of the four largest churches in all of America are churches that promote the prosperity gospel. I think the situation is fairly similar in our country. Typically, a prosperity gospel church is one that is independent, non-denominational, usually led by a very charismatic personality, very able person. This kind of people, some of them you may have heard names, some names that may ring a bell. I'm sure you're familiar with some of those names. Benny Hinn's been here several times, I think. Joe Osteen. David Yonggi Cho, formerly called Paul Cho Yonggi. That was a little bit of a scare for me. <laughs> because I went to different places and they said, Can I have your signature? I love your book. I said, I never wrote a book. <laughs> no, you wrote a book. I read it from cover to cover. You are Paul Cho from Korea. I said, no. <clears throat> All right. Thankfully, now he's changed his name to David after some dream of his. Now my son has got a nightmare now. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay. David Yonggi Cho leads the largest church in the whole wide world. <clears throat> some say half a million, some say one million. Depends on how you count, right? And these are men that are very, very influential. So today, when we say the prosperity gospel... You say, what's that got to do with you and me? Well, let me tell you this. These men are so influential that whether you know it or you don't know it, a lot of the stuff they have been teaching and preaching has impacted our churches in Singapore, mainline churches, and influenced many of us sitting right here. I'll show you some statistics in a few moments. All right? So... This is something that impacts us. It's impacted our country, and I hope we will be very, very clear. 
what do they teach? What is this doctrine that is so new, so exciting, that attracts so many people that three out of the four largest churches are brand new churches? I mean, churches have been here for hundreds of years. People abandon those and go to this new one that preaches this attractive gospel. What are they teaching that is so attractive? Well, basically, they tell you that God has promised us in the Bible that we can be rich financially. And God wants, listen carefully, God wants every Christian to be financially rich. Right? So that is what they teach. Now that sounds good. I mean, it's, what's wrong with being rich? Sounds nice. Sounds actually quite attractive. <clears throat> and so that's their promise. <clears throat> and they tell you that if you are poor, you're a bad testimony. You scare people from being Christians. So poverty or bad health, they tell us, is a curse that needs to be broken. What a terrible thing if you are sick. Any of you are sick today, you are ashamed to your, your faith. That's what they tell you. You should be in the brimming with health, oozing with wealth. <clears throat> and that is what you should be. That will be a good testimony. That will attract people to come to Christ. <clears throat> How do they prove their case? Well, they prove their case by using what I call proof verses or proof text in the Bible. And they have a few favorites, and I will show you some of their favorites, or their, their top hit verses. <clears throat> and these are the ones that are used and reused. And from these verses, they have deduced this prosperity gospel. <clears throat> now before I go into showing you the verses, let me teach you a very simple principle of reading the Bible. Okay? When you take a text or a verse out of its context, you can give a pretext. Get it? Anybody who says a whole bunch of words and you take one line out of it, out of context, you can make him look superhero or super bad. Any statement, big fat statement with hundreds of words, and the Bible has got a lot of words. You take some out of context and you can get a pretext. And you can make a case out of anything. Right? I don't like to be called, taken out of context. I don't think you like. You don't like people to quote you out of context. That's not fair. But let's just see what happens as people prove a theology to suit their purpose. Right? <clears throat> Favorite one, favorite one, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Favorite text. Used to tell Christians, now my friend, all you need to do now is understand this and you will have so much blessing, you will be oozing with wealth. <clears throat> Sounds good. If I were to read this verse by itself, 
I will see this as, wow, this is the little missing key to prosperity for all of us. Wow, we only just got this. Why didn't I read Malachi earlier? Some of you don't even know where Malachi is, right? It's the Old Testament and New Testament, all right? Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, a book written to a nation of Israel that was so degenerate. Spiritually, they had spun literally down to the bottom of the pit. They were desperately, desperately in bad shape. This is not written for good Christians who know God and then, wow, we just find this missing formula to move on. Let's see the context of Malachi 3.10. Go back and please read this all yourself. The context of Malachi 3.10 begins actually from Malachi 1. It's It's a book telling these degenerate Jews, you are such horrible condition, please get back right. Oh, if you just will obey God, things will be okay. You are so miserable. It's one horrible book you read, you get depressed. Right? And let's just see, for sake of time, Malachi 3, 8 to 10. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. I hope God won't be saying this to us today, right? I don't like this to be applying to me. Being a robber is bad. Being a robber of God, get caught and still deny, that's tough, right? And then God goes to say, please, you are in such horrible condition. Will you still please get back and get right with me? Okay? So just look at it. This is their favorite verse. Now let's look at another one. And this will cover, I only have about four verses, but they cover like 80%. Thanks for doing that. All right. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Well, this sounds good, huh? All right. If I put a little bit of money in the offering bag, then I get a little bit of blessing from God. If I put more into the offering bag, I get big blessing from God. That's what is taught through this verse. Right? Wow, if I put more, God give me more, I can drive my BMW, I can have a nice car, a Sentosa Cove house. Why not? Right? You put, guarantee get more. Now, let's look at the context. 2 Corinthians 9, go to verse 5. Text must be read in its context, alright? Therefore, I thought necessary. I want you to understand this whole context is not about Christians learning how to get more money and live more fancy. This whole passage is about Christians making an offering, a love offering, to a very needy group of poor Christians somewhere, right? They were taking an offering because there were a group of Christians that were in great need. And Paul writes to them about preparing this love offering to be given to these poor Christians. Therefore, I thought necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. That word there, put love offering, all right? Whereof ye had noticed before, I told you that you should take a love offering to help these people, that the same love offering might be ready. It's a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. So Paul says, 
I told you about this need. Now I'm sending some brothers so that they can prepare you to give generously to this love offering so you can help this poor group. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Doesn't work, yeah. I need that. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every nice car, every nice house. No. You might abound to every good work. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. That you can bless others. That's what he's saying, all right? As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, <clears throat> being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God for the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Alright? What is the context of this? Don't be afraid to give. I know you guys are not that rich too. And there's this other group out there that has needs. And you know, every time you want to give, you think, I give then I might get broke. And God says, don't worry. You help those guys and I will take care of you. Get the context? It's not that you put money in the offering bag, more bounce back into your pocket, you can buy nicer houses. It's nothing to do with that. The context is about don't be afraid to help others because God will supply your needs. You can be generous to help others. You know, every time you want to help, don't you have that feeling sometimes? I'm not that rich too. You tell me there's people with needs. I also have needs, so I've got to pay my bills. And every month, I'm up to there. <laughs> right? Better don't give too much. And Paul is saying, don't worry. As you generously help others, God will take care of you. It's not about self. It's about you may abound to good works, not abound to have more things. Another favorite one? <clears throat> All right. This one, very interesting. Matthew 13, verse 8, is the parable of a sower. Do you remember this parable of a sower? But other fell the seed eh, unto good ground and brought forth some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Well, investors love this kind of thing. Ooh, I put $1, I get $30. Wow, that's a lot, man. <clears throat> I get 10% extra, it's very good. You mean I get 3,000%? 30 times 100. 3,000, right? <clears throat> wow, that is amazing. So as they're told, you give, put in and give your seed money, seed money, Put in the offering bag, and behold, you will get 34, 64, 104. Now, how many of you, if I told you there was an investment, that you put $1, get $30, will not put money in? If you put your hand up, I tell you, you need to go to the asylum, all right? <laughs> if I guarantee you that you put $1, you get $30, and you will not put $1, you need a hit check. Serious case. Very serious. But let's see the context of this 3460. It's the parable of the sower. What's the parable of the sower about? 
sowing money, seed money? No, it says in verse 13, Matthew 13, 18 and 19, Hear ye therefore the parable of a sower, when anyone hears the word of life. Sowing what here? Sowing the word, not sowing money. When I preach to you, maybe I preach only a few words. Maybe I preach only John 3.16 to you. And it took me one second of one minute to explain John 3.16 to you. And you know something? Change your life. In an amazing way. It's not about money, folks. This whole thing about 34.64 is freely share the word of the kingdom of God. And what you share in your weakness, sometimes some of you came back from e-campaign, you went up there, you stood, you shiver, you, uh, you speak English, and all the Filipinos look at you, what are you talking? What talking you? Uh, you're so nervous the first time you talk, and then at the end you just quote John 3.16, because that's the only thing you know well. All the other verses you jumble and mumble. And you know what happens? I'm going to see you know why? Because God has a way of multiplying the word in people's hearts. In an amazing way. I got saved through exactly no preacher through one verse called John 3.16. No preacher. And the impact has lasted 32 years now. And will last eternity. Now that's what we're talking about here. It's about the word. It's not about you putting seed money in there and then come out 34. <coughs> Never mind. People love to take things out of context, but we will not allow the pretext, all right? Another favorite one. And these four cover 80% of all their favorite verses. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Wow, I love that. Even as thy soul prospers, well, not that. My soul spiritually well, my wallet full, brimming with health. Wow, this I like this. God promised me this. Really? Context again. Got the context? This is the introduction to a letter to a man called Gaius. Whoever he is, I don't know. But when you write a letter, you don't straight away, you say, Dear John, I trust that God is blessing you and all is well with you. That's a nice, I think you guys with the SMS age maybe don't know this kind of thing. But my generation, we don't go straight into the letter. We actually greet first. Right? We actually have a few words of greeting. That is polite. So when John, when, uh, John wrote this letter to Gaius in 3rd in, uh, John, verse 1 and verse 2, this was a greeting. It's not a promise from God. This is a greeting from John to Gaius. It's not a promise from God to you. Is your name Gaius? <laughs> Imagine that you walk, you intercept one of my SMS and you see, wow. Then you say this for me. Sorry, la, wrong address. <laughs> Alright. Now we see all these are taken, merrily taken, and then a whole doctrine of God wants every Christian to be prosperous. Because you see, you give Windows of heaven open. Wow. 
quite big, huh? Heaven. Cannot receive. Wow. Then if I give little, oh, the window small. <laughs> give more, window big. Wow. Then I put seed money into the wallet, into the bank. Oh, 34 come back. Can talk lah. I think this doctrine not bad. Quite nice. And God wants me. My soul to prosper, my health to prosper, and my wallet. Wow, this is a beautiful doctrine. And so this is now taught, retaught, emphasized, re-emphasized. Right? Seen that before? I hope you didn't see it on the wall outside your house, right? Outside your own house. Owe money, pay money, right? This is a loan shark's very cryptic, simple SMS. Owe money, pay money, right? When you see that, you get terrified, right? Added with a pig's head and a few other things. <laughs> That's a terrifier. Let me show you something, the exact opposite of owe money, pay money, right? That doesn't terrify it seduces and attracts. Pay money, get money, 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 money. <coughs> I couldn't put $100 signs there. <coughs> but that's what it is. In summary, let me summarize. The doctrine of a loan shark can be summarized like Einstein's theory, all right? <coughs> E equals what? MC squared, huh? Along says O dollar, P dollar. Gospel gospel says P dollar, get You know, it's... This doesn't draw people. Attract people. I'll be surprised. <clears throat> Alright, so here we have this Doctrine that is so, so much perpetuated. Now, some of you will say, come on, Pastor. That doesn't affect me. I don't go to a prosperity gospel church. What's it got to do with me? You don't have to go to church. The church can come to you. Today, we don't need to look for evil. Evil looks for us. You don't need to go to a bad place. To see bad things. The computer will bring it right to your room. You don't need the casino to gamble. They'll bring it right to your room. You don't need to go out to a bar to find a girl to go out with and get into trouble with. The computer will bring it right to your room. Let me tell you. These influential men have got this doctrine right where you are. <clears throat> Some statistics. Taken from America because we don't have anything from Singapore. But let me tell you, American statistics are usually only a few months ahead of us. What happens there, happens here. 17% of all Americans are members of prosperity gospel churches. But 31% of them believe the formula. That you give to God, it will come back as more. Financially, money. Money I'm talking about, right? 61%. That's a lot. That's scary. That's a majority. 
61% believes Christians should be financially rich. Scary, isn't it? 61%. Majority. Are we so spiritual? Are we in another world? Do we live in another orbit that this all doesn't affect us? I don't believe so. I believe this bombardment, constant bombardment, has influenced our minds. A lot of people who come to church, I'm not saying that's their only motive, but one of their motives is, I'm good to God, God will be good to my wallet. Later we'll see the perspective, right? Let's try and get the right perspective. They preach that it's not a f- something wrong to be rich, and that's true. But they use Jesus' name and they say, Jesus was rich. You don't believe me? Just key in this church's name. And Pastor Kong, he preached 10 reasons why Jesus are rich. is rich. One, when he was even a little baby, he got gold. <laughs> you know, when we... Chinese here, when you when your little someone is born, I don't know about this generation, but the old generation, when a little baby is born, you buy a little piece of gold, especially in the price of gold not so high, right? <laughs> little piece of gold, tiny skinny skinny thing to hang around the kid's anklet or whatever, right? But the sermon said, you think the wise man brought a little bit of gold? They were kings from the east. They brought boxes of gold. You know, the baby is just born. He's full of gold. Wow. Go on Google. Just type it. Listen to the sermon. Jesus is rich. I tell you, he was rich all his life. You know why? He never worked a day in his life. And yet, he never lacked anything. Come here, you. Don't work. Three years can survive if you're not rich. Wow, makes a lot of sense. You see, Jesus' needs were few. Greeds are limitless. Another reason, there were ten, I can't even remember them. After the third or fourth, I had enough. (laughs) Do you know how much it cost me? To do a citywide campaign? Millions of dollars. <clears throat> Jesus did a citywide campaign every day. Now, who paid for all that? Who paid for the sound man, the audio man, the whatever man? <laughs> you see, twisted and turned. So here we have people sitting in churches like this are told over and over again. So let's now transport ourselves into a little, not a little, they don't come little, a prosperity gospel church. Say we're all now in a prosperity gospel church. Number one, you all don't fit because you're told to dress well. I don't mean Sunday best. You must dress so that you look a picture of success. I look at you, I think. (laughs) 
Sorry lah. I don't know who will come to Jesus with you guys. Bata shoes, shirt, no brand. My goodness, which barber do you go to? $10 one, $10 barber. No wonder your hair looks like that. Who will come to this church when all you can afford is a $10 barber and a bata shoe? You know, they are told, listen carefully, they are told, if you want to be a good testimony, rest and show the world you made it. All right. The crowd is there, all dressed, nice. Of course, they're innocent bystanders, don't get me wrong, all right? Sometimes they invite friends and a friend actually wear bata shoes and come. That's okay. But he doesn't know any better, all right? <clears throat> One day he will know the truth. <clears throat> now, a lot of innocent... You know why those innocent bystanders are there and not here? Because you didn't invite them here. <laughs> those people there are more zealous than you. And so there's this crowd of expectant, crowded foyer of successful-looking people, all excited, all expectant expecting to hear something wonderful that will change their lives. Not about God, or their finances. Very clear, very focused. It's almost like Warren Buffett came to town and Bill Gates, and they're going to give you the secrets of wealth. Wow. Everybody's all excited, right? All early. That's why those churches, you have to take number. I'm serious. Our church... Half an hour after starting. Do we start yet? One third full can, I can start. (laughs) Where's the expectancy? None. You guys dragged yourself here this morning. I told you tomorrow, Warren Buffett's going to come and tell you. I have to tell you, seats are limited. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm sorry. It's going to be crowded. All your friend, your neighbor, all you invite. Right? So there's this sense of expectancy. <clears throat> Music. Music. Like Jonathan Chong taught this morning. Abiding peace. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's charged up. It's charged. Your adrenaline is pumping. Okay, if, let me tell you, let me sidetrack for one moment. There is a silly idea in Christianity that music is neutral. It's the lyrics that count. That is a dumb idea. Music is our most powerful language in the world without words. No need words. Everybody understands. Music can make you cry, it can make you laugh, it can make you jump can make you fight. At the door, someone said to me, Pastor, I watched Korean serial, no music, I cannot cry. <laughs> Just told me before I came. I watched, I don't even understand, I cry. <laughs> Music's powerful. Don't you come up with this nonsense that music has no language. Music is a language of the soul. More powerful than anything. Oh, come on, it's just the lyrics. Tell a nightclub singer, nightclub owner, let's say you own a nightclub, I tell you, play Amazing Grace. (laughs) But use sexy words in it. I tell you, you'll be a bankrupt nightclub owner. 
It's not the words. The words add on to the music. Anyway, they understand this. And they play this charged up music and everybody is ready for action. Expecting something. Pumping music. And there are two sermons usually. Before offering and after offering. Not B.C., uh, B.O. <laughs> Before offering is about give, give, give. And usually preceded by some testimonies. Some guy's going to come up, tearfully tell you how he was broke. And he had to decide whether to buy milk for his child or give it to the church. And he took a step of faith and he gave it to the church. And today... He drove in in his BMW and his kid can drink boutique milk. <laughs> One after another. If you think I'm exaggerating, just go to your internet folks. And then the hype begins. After the testimony, the preaching, the real preaching begins is the first one, not the second. The second one is just motivational. Feel good message, second sermon. First sermon is about giving. How many of you believe God is great? Hey, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. How many believe God owns everything in the world? Hallelujah. How many believe God is generous? Hallelujah, wah, 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 hallelujah everywhere. How many believe God loves you? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many of you believe that God wants you to be rich? Hallelujah. Then I look. But not all of you are rich. You. You're wearing... What kind of shoe is that? How do you come to church? By bus? You expect to be a good testimony, you come by bus? You? Japanese car? Second hand? If God wants you to be rich, why did you come in a second-hand car? Wow. No faith. If you had faith, if every one of you had faith, God will bless you. You give your offerings and God will open the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing on you. That's good, huh? You put your little seed faith in the offering bag. 30 times. 60 times. 100 times will return to you. God promised you that. Wow. That's good. And so on. Now tell me, if you were sitting in that crowd, you don't know the Bible, but you keep seeing these verses popping in front of you. You see success all around you. You see things being pushed. And you are told that all you need, all you need is to put money in the bag. Let me tell you how they do it, alright? They believe that God's promises, those ones that I showed you, a bit taken out of context, can be claimed by the word of faith. They call it the word of faith or by actualization. Two things. The word of faith, or sometimes called positive confession, 
simply states that if I recite that verse that was told to me, right? Example, huh? I'm told now, give, give, give. And then I remember this verse. If I give my offerings, God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on me. Now I must not only say that verse, that's called positive confession, but I must actualize it in my mind. Actualize means actually imagine it. So as I before I put my money in, I must say, if I will give an offering to my God, He will open the windows and in my mind I will say, curtain is pulled back. Offerings are coming. And you can actually, according to their teaching, actualize exactly what you want. BM, BMW. <laughs> BMW. Sunroof. Sports rings. Silver color. If you can actualize it, that's called faith. Faith. You think I'm joking? Read it. Read it. Alright? It's called the fourth dimension. Cho Yong teaches it. Three dimensions. Length, width, height, is it? Fourth dimension is inside here. Wow. So you put your money in. Imagine, not 34, too small. 100. 104. Wow, all the money bonds in there. Facing the sea. And God must give it to you because you exercise faith. Who is the master now? Who is the slave? Whatever I can imagine, God must give me. Who becomes the master? God's the office boy, you know? Sentosa Kof. I can picture everything, curtains and all. Come on, bring it to me. BMW, come on. Give it to me. I pictured it already. Very clear. I can actually see the shine. I see my wife sitting there. <coughs> it's real. It's faith. They become the master. God is the servant. All right, so this is what happens. People will be passed around the bag. People feel guilty. Now, what kind of crowd? Let's just look at the congregation. I'm looking at the congregation. All, majority, very driven, very focused. I look hard at you, I can see dollar signs in your eyes. Dollar signs. So very focused crowd. Very clear motivation. They're here to make money. Now let me ask you a question. When you get a person who's very focused and determined to make money in a country like this, like Singapore, will he make money? Chances are yes. Yes. Very likely. And so that crowd, some of them become very wealthy. They make money. And when they make money, they give money. And when they give money, they see themselves having men of more faith. They have greater courage. And they invest more in something. And you know something? They make money. And they give more. Wow. 
seems like a wonderful spiral. But some of you are wise. You say, come on, pastor. Even if they got motivation, even if they got talent, even their focus, can everybody make money? No. Some won't make, right? Okay, let's now picture some of those less successful ones. They came in, they started a business, they believe in that they got to make their money, and they actually lose money every week. What do they do? Give more lah. Please, that's what it is, alright? You know why you got no money? You got no faith. So what do you do? Put more. Next week, your business is still lousy. What do you do? Give more. Dig in. Tell your wife, sell this, sell that. We need to invest. Give more. But then some of your wives say, reach a stage, no more to give them how. <laughs> so now you're bankrupt, right, Frank? You're bankrupt. You got no money. You're discouraged. You don't believe what I preach to you. What do you do? You leave, right? Do I feel, do I cry for you? Why should I? You got nothing more to give. Right? You might as well go. Furthermore, you're taking one of my seats. You know this? You know how crowded those places are? You bankrupt guy, take one of my seats. You are lousy testimony. You came by bus this morning. Your shoe all broken, broken. And then you discourage everybody. You take one seat some more. You might as well go. So, am I going to cry for you? I don't think so. What about skeptics like some of you? Your friend bring you there, you will say, I don't think this is from God. The building made of titanium. Wow. What a fountain. How much a fountain? 180,000. The toilet was so stylo. So you are skeptics. Some of you are skeptics. You go in there like that. So after a while, skeptics, you will go. Do they cry for you? No use. Cry for skeptics for what? He will never give. You want to give five cents? He look around, look around, look around. All right? Think so hard. Forget it. And the worst of all are Bible-believing Christians. Bible-believing Christians go say, Hey, that verse, take care of our context. No? For goodness sake, that's about preaching the word. That's not about giving money. For that type, they want to get you out fast. Say, please, 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 show you out. Because you will never give money. You discourage people. You will tell people all those things that will discourage them. Please, please go. You know something? It's not only a big crowd. It's a select crowd. Are you with me? It's a select crowd. Self-select. Beautiful. The whole business model is amazing. You know something? It's even recession-proof. Let's say a big recession comes, euro crisis, all kind of crisis come. Every one of us no money. What will we do? We go to church more faithfully, you know. And we give more, you know. It's recession-proof up to a point. It's a fantastic business model. You give me 100%. You, 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 work, you give to an invest, investor, you give the company 100%. He has to give you back dividends. We pay you out, right? It's not only, you give me 100%, I keep the 100%. God will give you the rest. Oh, not bad. Huh? You give me, I take all, then God gives you. Don't, don't disturb me, right? Please. Huh? You don't need to know my accounts, right? Not your business. Tax free some more. Tax free. Wow. You make money, you make 100% and no tax. Huh? No tax free because it's charity. 
And then, the best of all is blame-proof. Let me explain, okay? If I am the leader of a charity, let's say NKF, right? National Kidney Foundation. You came to my toilet by chance. You're a plumber, and you saw gold tap. Oh! NKF got gold tap. Oh! Then one day you saw me go to the aeroplane. I woke up first class. Oh! Dr. Chu, sit first class. SIA, you know. Well, I'm in deep trouble. Three months, three weeks later, I've been Changi. Because how dare you? You take public money and then you spend on yourself. You die. But this business model, no worry. If I got Sentosa Cove House 5, you cannot point a finger at me. You can only say, Hallelujah. Because you know why? I got plenty of faith. That's why I got plenty of money. If I got 10 Sentosa Cove, you better respect me more. You know that? You get it? If I don't have money, I prove I don't have faith. The more I have, and the more I show it off, the more I'm telling the world something. Not I'm a spendthrift, not I'm greedy, not I'm abusing funds, but I am a man of God. Because God is blessing me. Are you with me? Wow, you can have a cake and eat it. This is amazing. You know, people who cheat, they always pretend to be very poor here. Then one day, boom, they run off to some place, you know. <clears throat> and then in the Caribbean, they sit there and enjoy the money. This one, you can enjoy it right here. Wow, this is unbelievable. Brilliant. Now, questions that will be asked to you. I hope now you more or less have the answers. Why are you all Christians so stupid? Why? This guy, take your money, spend, show off, do all these things, and people, you all still want to give him more money. What's wrong with you guys? Just for the record, huh? do you know that the attendance has gone up after this scandal? Just check on the Google, internet. Actually went up. Not down, up. That shows you the resilience of this business model. And people ask you, Paul, what kind of people are you guys? Christians, you're stupid or what? This guy is swindling you and you people go more to his church and give more. Well, he's prepared that already. You give more to me, I leave it up. It's nothing more than a mark of God's window of hell open, pour on me, not on you. You got no faith, I got faith. You see? So people who are brainwashed, many of them, are going to support him. Don't get confused. Don't get discouraged and baffled. Because that's how they think. Why don't they leave the church? Why more go? You mean everybody's brainwashed? Everybody's like that? Well, let me tell you. Many will not leave because this is the best scheme they have ever seen in their life. You know, you put money in the bank now, how many percent do you get? 
less than one percent, right? Quarter percent, I heard someone told me. You put money in a bank, bank can go bankrupt, no? Some banks have gone bankrupt. You put money in this scheme, prosperity gospel scheme, backed by God, you know. Not backed by a bank, not backed by US government, not backed by Swiss government or Singapore, it's backed by God, you know. You know how powerful God is? If you can't trust God, who can you trust? Sometimes you buy schemes, and you go to a salesman, it's just underlined, highlight the, the nice things to see. Then you say, wow, this contract, how do I know it's real or not? Let me tell you, this scheme, according to them, is backed not by God, but also by the Bible. I show you, like, Malachi 3.10, you don't believe me, I show you. <sighs> right? <clears throat> so here we see, how can they leave a scheme like this? It's so attractive. Quarter percent, this one gives you minimum 3,000%. 34. Yeah, I get my maths right. 30, 100. Yeah, 30. Uh, 104? 10,000%. Why do you want to take the money out and put it in the bank? You stupid or what? This is backed by God. Endorsed by men of God. You know something? One reason why this whole scheme has continued is because not of one man, but because this one man has been endorsed by many other people. Good men. Pastors who say, who are we to judge? Pastors who keep quiet. Let me tell you, when you keep quiet, when people ask you a scheme like that, silence is consent. Do you know that? You as a Christian, what do you think of this? Don't know lah. Okay lah. Don't have to think too much about these things. You know what you're saying? It's not bad. Let's say you are a financial guy. Let's say you're a banker. And you know that it's a scam that everybody's using and scamming people. As a banker, what must you do? You must tell people, hey, please, run from that. Have nothing to do with that. But you and I as Christians, most times we keep quiet. And there are pastors of big churches that endorse this. It's not about one man. It's about a whole system that stinks. It's about a whole system of men who keep quiet so that bad men can do scams. And I will not be a part of that. We must not be a part of that. We know the truth. We must speak the truth. I don't like to do this. I'd rather preach the gospel. Good news is better than telling about scandals and bad things. Why should I go and run run down people? You think it's a nice thing? As a Christian, we don't like to do these things. I'd rather say, God loves you. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus paid the price. These are wonderful, wonderful things to talk about. Why do we talk about these things? Because somebody has to say something. And I hope we will. Someone asked me, his wife, have you seen the video? I said, no, I haven't. He said, you better see it. You can watch it for three minutes, five minutes. If you still watch more than that, you're sick. (laughs) You're sick. Half new, doing provocative things with men. Bunch of men. In the name of God, saying this is how you reach the world for Jesus. China wine. 
And people say, how oh, you Christians? Even I'm not a Christian, I look at this, I get sick. And my wife, like that, I slap her, they tell me. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Looks at me in the face. You guys, this is Christianity. You know why people cannot say anything about it? Because the key performance index is money. How can you question her? She's so rich. If she's so rich from nothing, it must be from God, right? If she's anointed by God, why are you going to say anything against her? The thing that makes a difference in this thing is, have you got money? If you have money, you are anointed, you are specially blessed by God. They don't preach holiness. Second message, the second sermon, I told you the two, one before giving. I'm giving, the second is motivational. Not about holiness. And so these are realities, folks. People are going to ask you this. What are you going to say? You know, at the end of it all, only God can stop it. And only God will do it. God's a patient God. I thank God for being His patience. If God dealt with me the moment I sinned, I'm dead. He's a patient God. Amazingly patient. But there will come a time when God will say, you have taken my name in vain and I will not hold you to this. You will pay. Till that day, our job is to warn people, this is not Christianity. This is not the gospel. This is a scam. Period. Using the name of God is a financial scam. Don't mince your words when you have to explain that. Don't try to win popularity like all those pastors say, oh, he's not that bad. Who are we to judge others? We are not here to win popularity. We are here to tell truth. If you go to church to be popular, you're in the wrong place. We came here because there's truth. Truth will set us free. So I hope today you have the truth and you will speak the truth. But speak it in love. Many are victims. They're victims. Don't treat them as if they are perpetrators. Speak the truth in love. Put your armor on the guy and say, Can we talk? Can I show you something? Take those verses. Ask them, think about it. Is this about money? Is God the God of money? Is that all He is? You want the God of money? Go to the casino. Go to the temples. They got little things that call God of money. Go to the Cantonese Canto Pop, and there's a God of money. And a God of luck. He's not a God of money. He's God. He doesn't just care for my wallet. He cares for me. He loves me. You know, having said all this about the prosperity gospel, let's not sing to the other extreme and say, God does not prosper us. Right? Don't go to the extreme. Swinging to the extreme left is not the answer to the extreme right. Standing on the Bible, truth is the answer. What is the truth? Let's see a few things 
I'll put us in perspective. We don't have time to do this too much. Just in perspective. Let's see. <clears throat> Has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? Is poverty a shame to God? Is it when you're poor, you've got no faith? I thought it's the opposite in my Bible. It's the exact opposite. God allows poverty in many of our lives, so we will turn to God. You know, when I'm rich, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of ATM. I have a lot of credit cards. I have a lot of support from the people of this world. I may not even turn to God. I may forget my God. But every now and then, God allows us to go through trials that we, well, we are through trials. Our friends leave us. Our doctors cannot help us. Nothing can help us. You know what we do? We turn to God. And our faith is built up. God allows poverty because He cares for us. He wants us to know the best thing in the world is relationship with Him, not a big fat wallet. He's not an idol. He's not a God of money. He's a God that cares for me from head to toe. So don't you go around thinking someone is sick or someone is poor. He lacks faith. Sometimes that is what is going to build him up to be the man of the greatest faith. How discouraging when you are sick and someone tells you you have no faith. Give more. Give more. I have no more money. Give more. All right. Let's get our balance. Jesus said, I'm come that ye might have life and ye might have it abundantly. When I trusted Jesus as my Savior 32 years ago, I can say every word of that is true. I trusted the one who went on the cross for my sins. That day, all my sins settled. Past sins, present sins, future sins. I knew my Savior took them all and paid the price. I had peace. The peace lasted now. It will last forever. I don't face fear death. I'm ready. I sleep well. Why? Because I have a partner. He is in me. I can go to sleep. He will take care of me. That's a life abundant. I have peace that passes all understanding. Wallet or no wallet, I can lose my wallet. I can't lose him. He lives in me. He will never leave me or forsake me. 32 years ago, I received Jesus. I have peace in my heart, purpose in my life, a partner for life, for eternity. My relationship, my family, my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad are all better. Is that life abundant? Yes. It's not about this, folks. Not what is in that fat wallet. I can tell you thousands of people, big fat wallets are miserable. That's the wrong place to start to look for happiness. The right place is God. When you have God, that's where it begins. We don't come to church because we have money, because we'll find God. How can we reduce God to just an idol that gives money? And then, let me end by this. I don't want to discourage those that are wealthy. God does give us wealth. He tells us here. 
charge them that are rich in this world. Some of you, God has blessed you well. Don't feel guilty about it. God's blessed you. God bless you with talent. Don't feel guilty about it. Be thankful. God gives you wealth. What must you do? That they be not high-minded. When you've got wealth, don't think you, you're special. You're different. Nor trust in uncertain. Don't think your money is your protector. But in the living God. When God gives you money, you love the giver more than the gift. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Peace, joy. Peace in my heart, in my mind, in my family, with my God. All things to enjoy. Now, why did God give us wealth? Look at the next verse. That they do good. First Timothy 6, 17 and 18. That they do good. That they may be rich in nice cars, nice houses. No. In good works. Ready to distribute to those in need. Willing to communicate. Better word in modern English, share. Willing to share. When God gives us much, we can bless many people. It's not God give us so that we bless ourselves. But with what we have, we, when God gives us much, we can make a lot of difference in many ways. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that may lay hold on eternal life. Salvation cannot be bought. It's not about that you may get eternal life, but that you may have that firm grip. I don't mean that you can lose it, but that all your life, and the devil will come to you and say, how do you know you're a Christian? How come you know you're a Christian? You mean just John 3, 16, you see? You say, you know what? I know with all my heart because he changed my heart. I'm a selfish guy, one who, when I had money in the past, looked down on others, loved my money, loved to take care of myself. You know something? He not only gave me wealth, he gave me a new heart. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you have eternal life? I know. Because he changed my life. Not just a verse. Sometimes we are just saved by the skin of our teeth. And we wonder. The devil shakes us. When you live a life of abundance and give to others, as opposed to the unsaved who make money and see it as their right to do what they want with their money, I can say, you can say, it's not mine. He gave it to me. He's my master. You lay hold. The confidence. The devil cannot shake your faith. Devil cannot take your salvation away. He can take your confidence of your salvation away. Alright, so today I end by saying, stand for truth. Not many in this country are going to stand for this. Many are just going to pretend they don't know and they don't care. You are witnesses, not only of the good news, but also to warn of deceivers. May God bless you. So what would you think? 
love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.